When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi there and welcome to this week's Scout the Game Week. Scout the Game Week is our weekly podcast brought to you by the Fantasy Football Scout Scout Network. In each episode, we'll look back on the game week we have just played and assess what we can learn to help us in the next round of fixtures. We'll also catch up with a member of the Scout Network to find out what they've been up to, as well as gaining an insight into their FPL planning and content. I'm Sam from the FPL family. Let's scout the game week. This week, I'm joined by FPL Focus's Graham. Graham, hi there. Thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Hi there, Sam. Thanks for having us on here. It's a real honour. And can I just say quickly that basically you're an inspiration to me for last season when you were in the the thousands. That was really inspiring to see you keep staying in that thousand mark. So thank thank you for that. (laughs) <laughs> it was a it was a good season for me last season and I think it was one of those that every every week it seemed to kind of go well and you kept thinking at some point the bubble's going to burst but it never really did this season I feel like the bubble bursts a few times and then you have to reclimb and and, and make changes but that's very kind of you to say that I thought we'd start today by talking just a little bit about game week 30 and how that went for you were you part of the pep roulette problem or did you manage to escape it this time around I was very lucky in managing to escape that um, from past experience. Obviously, we all know about Pep Roulette and how he likes to change things and surprise us with subs. But I managed to not have any City assets in this game week. So avoided that bullet. But still, I got stung in other ways. <laughs> <laughs> Two cool bullets. <laughs> yeah. It's difficult, isn't it? Because I think on paper, game week 30 looked like the perfect game week. There was a lovely, lovely set of fixtures for some of our really good premium assets. Uh, but then actually, there were so many surprises this time around. We had West Brom absolutely destroying wow. Chelsea, which I mean, I don't know where that came from. West Brom like peak Brazil during that game, particularly that fourth goal was unbelievable. Newcastle turning up and taking a point from Spurs, but not just taking a point. From Spurs taking a very much deserved point from Spurs they played well in that game which I wasn't expecting Leeds lost their clean sheet against Sheffield United which I don't think anybody was expecting so it was just one of those game weeks I think where you know you looked at it on paper and thought my team looks phenomenal so I actually did fall foul of Pep but through my own doing not through Pep's because I have Diaz who I decided to bench this time around because I looked at my team on paper and thought well I can't see which um which defender I play ahead or you know I bench ahead of Diaz because I had Dallas who had that really nice fixture against Sheffield United I had Creswell who had a nice fixture against Wolves who don't normally score a lot of goals but also has some real attacking potential there I had Luke Shaw who had a game against Brighton who again aren't scoring that many goals so and has attacking threat um, no end of of attacking threat and then I brought in Cesar Aspilicueta this week um, for that game against West Brom and so I looked at those four on paper and thought I have to play them therefore got to leave Diaz on the bench and of course all of those guys blanked and, and Diaz returned a clean sheet sat on my bench so that sums up my season so far um, in a nutshell that the one that I thought had the worst fixture probably should have been the one that I played and, and maybe that's the way I should play the rest of the season but before we get into talking about game week 31 and and reflecting a bit more deeply on game week 30 I thought it'd be nice to sit and talk about you and FPL focus for a little bit so do you want to tell us a little bit about where the idea for FPL focus came from and how long it's been going well, basically, um, I actually have played FPL and all kinds of fancy football for, for many years now, but I'd never really properly done full seasons. 
I used to work in a film studio, very long shifts, and I'd never keep up with transfers. And then it was like, because you never done that, your team didn't get the points, people were getting injured. So never fully done. So it's been the last couple of years that I've actually started doing it properly and uh, getting into it. And I did see, I, I, I can't quite remember, but I'm sure it was like Andy from Let's Talk FPL um, people like that on YouTube that I see and I thought maybe you could give that a go you know because I, I enjoy football I've grown up playing football watching it sorry to say Sam I, you know I'm an Arsenal fan um, I wasn't going to mention it Graham <laughs> it, if you did it probably upset me now it's not <laughs> like the old Arsenal you know absolutely awful at the moment um, but yeah that, that's how the idea came and uh, I suppose the focus part came into where I was working so long and not fully focusing on my team. I needed to actually play properly and focus. So that's kind of where that came from. I love the fact that you, that you kind of got inspired to do it by other parts of the community, because I think that's where a lot of it comes from with a lot of us that are out there content creating is that you kind of you see it. And, and I know with Lee and I, and I've said this story a number of times, but we used to sit and talk about it. And, and Lee was very much um, into kind of fancy football scout he was always on there kind of looking at stats and stuff and I remember when I first started playing it thinking oh well yeah okay and I only played it really because I wanted to beat him just it's that husband and wife competitive side that comes out yeah exactly Um, and I remember stealing his login for FF scout a few times and and looking at stats and things and thinking oh yeah this is really good and then of course you start then getting involved in and Lee was watching people like Andy and, and and others who were on YouTube and um, thinking, you know, actually, this is quite a, it's quite an interesting idea because we loved it. And I, and I think it does inspire. And I, I love the idea that people can just go, do you know what? I think I'll have a go at it. And generally speaking, the community is really good at kind of investing in new people on into the content world and kind of saying, you know, come along, guest on this, come and do this. And, and I think it is, it is a supportive environment most of the time so for me I think it's really nice to hear that that's where where it came from because hopefully that will inspire a few people that are out there listening to this podcast to kind of think well maybe I could have a go at doing that too um what's your favorite part of being a content creator I think it is kind of on what you just touched on slightly there was with the community how welcoming it is and you know to take part with the community to go game week to game week with there's a different problem each game week and to go through that with the community and and I always like to hear other managers thoughts and how they look at the game because it's the same with anything in life you can go and do it and sometimes it takes that outside opinion to open your eyes a little bit on something you haven't thought of so yeah I do I love getting ideas off of the people in the chat and stuff like that um it's it's just it really interesting. It can help. You can change your mind last minute. Um, but but what I would say with the FPL community on Twitter is you can also indulge too much in that and then make the wrong move. So there's a fine balance to, to how, what you read into, you know? There definitely is. I think that's the thing with FPL that, that took me a little while once I started to create content is that, you know, you you have, there is a wealth of information out there from, you know, the data and the stats to opinions. And I, I think there is, there is an element of kind of you listen. And over the years of doing this, I think I've become quite good at, at kind of listening to everybody And then just a day or so before the deadline thinking, right, I'm done now. I've taken in all the information I need and I'm going to sit and I'm going to think about what now I think is is the right thing to do. It's why I've had this rule about not making transfers on deadline day, because I know that the more I listen on deadline, the more I panic. And then I just make transfers or I make decisions to sub people that wouldn't necessarily have been the decision that I'd have made if I'd have sat down and really considered what I'm doing. So I do think you're right in what you say there. I think, you know, it's it's great for going in, take all the information, but then do remember to follow your gut and make the decisions that are based on what's best for you and your, your FPL team. Because 
let's be honest, everybody's FPL team is different. That's what I like about it. You know, we have so much chatter about templates and, you know, essential picks and you've got to have this player or you've got to have that player. But sometimes it just doesn't budget or you've just got to make so many other changes uh, to get to that point. So, you know, particularly when you're talking about players like Bruno Fernandes or Salah or Kane, for some managers, you know, they'll, they'll look at their team and think, well, to bring in one of those this week, I've got to take an eight point hit and I've got to take out these other players who have been in really good form. And those decisions are quite personal to your FPL team and to what's right for you. So I do, I do love that. I love the fact that, you know, everybody has an opinion and that's wonderful. And it's really great for helping you to gain an insight into what you should be doing in terms of your transfers. But do remember that your team is your team and make those transfers that you think is right for you and your planning. We were talking before before we press record about how actually you've got a plan in some ways and normally I am one for having a really long-term plan you know six or seven game weeks and I'll be thinking about who's coming in who's going out over that period well if anything if nothing else the 2021 season has proved that you can't (laughs) you just can't long-term plan uh, games being cancelled, players catching COVID, injuries, rotations, not just from Pep anymore, but we've got the Tuchel rotation that goes on as well now. Everything is is a bit bonkers um, for, for not just for FPL, actually, but for the Premier League as well. So it has made me a bit more of a game week to game week planner rather than a game week for five game weeks time. And maybe yeah, actually that's a bit more cautious, isn't it, Sam? Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Moves week by week rather than the long term plan. Just and I think maybe that's the right thing, actually. Yeah, Sometimes absolutely. it's it's good to think think about FPL in a slightly different way and, and learn some lessons from it. So what are your plans for FPL focus moving forward then? Because you've already got quite a presence. So how are you planning to kind of develop your platform? I suppose it, it does. It goes back to that community again. So grow with the community. Let them be a part of it as much as I am hosting the content and putting it out there. Let them be a part of that. Something that I did like doing during lockdown, which really helped me, and I think it helped a lot of other people as well, was I do commentary on virtual FPL. It, it filled the gaps in this game whilst we had that break and we ju- just run it and people were still interacting on what they, they felt players would do in FPL, like typically. And it wasn't always the case, but it, it was still keeping that FPL uh, alive, you know, that feeling alive. And what I did was I commentated on games. So everything would come up, all the all the commentary and I just commentate to it and people really enjoyed that and took to it. And I found I had more viewers doing that and more people engaging, shall we say. Um, So going forwards, that would be something that I'd like to do would be uh, watch along slash commentary on games. So that's, that's the long-term plan. For now, it is just the, the game week reviews and previews and, and just seeing how people respond to that, you know? I think that sounds really good. I, I think you're right. I think what's happened over the last year or so globally has had a massive impact on people's relationship with football, but also people's relationship with FPL and just people's relationships in general. Because, you know, I, I look at the number of dead teams that we have in FPL this season and there's far less of them than there is in a normal season because people have been at home. They're more engaged with the Premier League because it's on all the time, even if their teams are kind of in that mid table or there's nothing really for them to fight for. They're still engaged with what's going on because it's so available to us right now. And, and I think, you know, what you've just said is really important because as as content creators we always have to adapt to the situation that's arising at the time and you know you can't necessarily always have the same the same thing year upon year we when we started we were doing a couple of streams that a week now that's just the one because of our family commitments but you know you always at the end of every season you sit down and you think right well what went well this season in terms of our content how can we improve what can we bring in that's new and that's different and and I think this year there will be a lot of people changing their habits slightly as a result of it and hopefully we'll get an increased um, FPL community as a result of the amount of people that have really enjoyed playing it this season and um, where can people find you do you want to give us your your handles so that they can go and give you a search after this if they don't already absolutely get searching people so it is at FPL focus one so I'm over on in, uh, Instagram I'm over on Twitter and obviously the content, the videos, they're on YouTube. 
amazing yeah if you don't already give graham a follow on those different platforms then head over after this and, and give him a little follow and um, right then graham let's scout the game week so game week 30 we're going to have another busy couple of fpl days before we reach the deadline this friday evening uh, we are recording this on thursday morning so of course we only have sort of a day and a half really to get ready for game week 31 and um, so let's have a think back to game week 30 and i think it's only right that we start with west brom because this for me was the result that i was not at any point expecting and I know that sometimes the early fixture throws up something really bizarre but it doesn't normally throw up something this bizarre Chelsea defenders were the popular buys of the week what do you think about them now um is this game just a total blip is this something that we now need to panic on with our Chelsea defenders particularly Rudiger who was benched for game week 30 and um, of course Chelsea then went on to win in the Champions League quite comprehensively as well yesterday so they did look really good with Chilwell starting and getting a goal in that game so what does that mean for Alonso before we move on to Chelsea attack and before we have a, a little eye on West Brom let's just talk about the Chelsea defence for a minute what are your thoughts well I think it's still a case of Tuchel experimenting slightly you know he's got his main men there really but what what I was upset about was Ben Chilwell because I relied on him a lot when he was under Lampard. He looked really good. I think he's had a great season. Tuchel comes in, shakes up the apple cart and in comes Alonso again, which fair enough, he got that goal when he did bring him in. But I do feel Ben Chilwell is a great FPL asset, but only if he was to get more minutes. It is such yeah. a shame. It's difficult, isn't it? I think, and I think my issue with Chilwell, I I agree, I owned him for quite a large part of this season and he was phenomenal. It was attacking returns, there were clean sheets at some points coming. And I really enjoyed having him in in my fantasy team. But I look at him now, particularly at this moment in FPL. And I think, you know, we've seen over recent weeks that Tuchel does have a habit of playing Alonso in the easier fixtures for want of a better way of saying it so like against West Brom um, I'm looking at the game weeks that Chelsea have coming up I, I do kind of feel that some of these are potential um are potential Alonso fixtures again you know they've obviously got Crystal Palace this week it was Chilwell who played in the Champions League and of course they've got the second leg of the Champions League next week so I do worry slightly about Chilwell's minutes potential against Crystal Palace this time around Um, And then, of course, the week after, they've got Brighton. So depending upon what's happening with the Champions League, I just feel that between Chilwell and Alonso, there's so much risk of rotation there that for me as an FPL manager, at this point in the season, I'm kind of reluctant to invest in either of them, which is why I went for Aspilicueta this week. He seems to be the most... Well, he's not the he's not the most attacking of, and this is, I guess, where the crutch lies, isn't it? Because if you want attacking threat from your Chelsea defenders, you probably do want to go for Alonso or Chilwell. But you do get security of starts from Aspilicueta, um, so that's why I went with him. But what about Rudiger? If you own Rudiger, do we panic or do we think that you know he's coming back in for game week thirty one? I would say that Rudiger would be coming back in. Um, I think it was the international games, maybe, you yeah. know, Germany. Same with uh, Mount being benched was the England international. I mean, and like you said, Sam, he scored that goal against Porto last night. So he, he's looking good as well. But yeah, I, I think you could. And also, I like your logic in the way that if you don't see their minutes there um, consistently, then you don't really risk putting them players in kind of thing. You just keep your eye on it before you make that move. And and obviously, it's always if you do get that player in and they return points, you've got a bit of an advantage there. But who's to then say they don't come back out again because it's that sort of gap in the minute. So 190, then not, then 90, then not. So, yeah, you're best off not probably going for the Chelsea defence. And I like the Azuqueta because it's like saying he's the most revived player, shall we say. Mm. So he seems to be playing more consistently and getting them minute. I like him. And, and I also like Mendy, the goalkeeper. I think, you know, if you're looking for security of starts, then and you want into the Chelsea defence, but you haven't done it yet. Um, at a time where arguably there is there is a conversation to be had potentially about Martinez because the fixtures for Aston Villa are really tough between now and the end of the season. So whilst Martinez has been phenomenal, and I'm sure we're going to talk about him later, 
you know, it might be might be coming to a crux if you're wildcarding at some point between well now and game week 33, 34, that you look at the fixtures for Aston Villa and think maybe actually a keeper change is the way to go and, and maybe Mindy's worth a look. But what about those Chelsea attackers then? So you've already mentioned that Mount was benched in game week 30, but he came on and had immediate impact. Um, and then, of course, got the goal, as you mentioned, against Porto in the Champions League. For me, Mount is the go-to at Chelsea now if you're going for a forward player. I, I think, you know, however much money they've spent on, on their attacking options, I just don't see any value in anybody else, particularly after Pudisic went off as a precaution just after half-time in that West Brom game. So... You know, he's he's one that historically I do like as an FPL player. I think Pulisic had a fantastic season for a large part of last season before the injury. But it's Mount or no one for me if you're going with the Chelsea attack. Would you agree? I totally agree with that. And I like that you mentioned Pulisic and because he came off, is that concern? So that immediately puts you off. I think if that he didn't come off, you'd probably go straight to, well, a few people probably jump on Pulisic train mm. again because they know how good he is. Um, and then obviously you've got really disappointing Timo Werner up front. I mean, some of the chances the guy has missed this season are uh, unbelievable. Um, something he never done in the Bundesliga, really. Um, it's interesting to keep an eye on him as well as the season progresses and maybe next season, who is going to be the reliable striker for Chelsea um, would would Tammy Abraham get ahead of him now? Uh, but yeah, definitely Mason Mount. It's tough with Werner, isn't it? Because, you know, sometimes players arrive in the Premier League and it does take them a season just to settle in, find their feet, get up to the speed of the game. So it wasn't necessarily a surprise to me to see Mount come and just struggle, sorry, to see um, Werner come and struggle slightly at the beginning to settle into the Premier League. But what has surprised me is the, the length of time that he's gone without getting into any kind of form and the fact that when he went and played for Germany, he didn't show any form for them either. So it does just seem to be that he's having a blip of confidence at the moment, but he, there is no denying that he's a really talented player. So I think for me, he's a definite no for the rest of this season. But if he can find some rhythm and if he can find some form, particularly over the summer with the Euros coming, if he can get himself into a vein of form that, you know, gives him some confidence back because I think it's that mostly that's how it seems to me that he's just lacking in confidence that that actually maybe for the 2020 for the 21 22 season that he might be worth a look particularly as we're losing some of our premium striker options in Aguero next season we obviously don't know what's going to happen with Harry Kane I mean hopefully he'll still be a Spurs player next season but you never know um what's going to happen there um, and I can't see Spurs selling him internally in term, terms of inside the Premier League. I just don't see that they want to sell him to a rival club. So if he leaves, then I imagine that he's leaving the game altogether, which will break my heart because who will I speak about? I only ever speak about Harry Kane on everything that I ever do. Um, but I think, you know, it could be maybe it's Werner's time next season, but he does really need to find some form. What about West Brom, though? Um, any interest in West Brom? Because they do have something to fight for. Big Sam is the one that likes a relegation battle. So if <laughs> anyone's going to fight, it's going to be Big Sam and West Brom. Um, Pereira really in that inspired form, stepping up to my... I know Chelsea had 10 men, but you've still got to go on and do it. How many times have you seen games with 10 men and nothing's doing? But that mm. that's uh, absolutely amazing, like what Pereira done there. Um, so... Pereira, I think, is literally the only player you would go for um, fixture-wise. I'm not sure who they've got next. So I think West Brom, not too bad next fixture. And then maybe the ones after are a bit tougher. So out of all of them, I'd go for Pereira. I think that does make sense. There's Deanne up top who potentially might be an option if you're looking to free up some money, maybe, if, you, if you're looking to highly invest in the midfield, which is what a lot of FPL managers are doing right now, looking to kind of have a really strong unit across the middle. Um, and if you're looking to go with just Kane and, and therefore some slightly cheaper ones up top, maybe in replacement for Bamford, who's, who's been a popular sell this week, given the, the Leeds fixture shift, maybe DM might not be a bad pick because you can guarantee that at least West Brom are going to keep playing till the end of the season. They're not in any other competitions, so... The rotation risks just shouldn't be there. So he's potentially one as well that I would have a look at. But 
I think he'd mostly be as a bench option, whereas with Pereira, you could genuinely start him most weeks and, and expect that there's potential there for points. Right, we're going to take the ball by the horns then, Graham. We're going to talk about Spurs and the mighty fluffing of the lines that happened um, against Newcastle this week. Um, let's start by talking about Sun, I think, because he will be a big conversation for most of the FPL community. Came on at half time in this game and I like many other managers, was disappointed not to see him start that game. So that suggests to me that he just wasn't quite 100% ready. But when he came on at half-time, I thought he looked fine. He, he, you know, I was watching him very carefully. He didn't look like he was carrying anything. Sometimes when they come back, they're a bit tentative. Didn't see that from Sun against Newcastle. He was ineffective, but Spurs were quite frankly ineffective, apart from that four-minute period of time where Kane weaved his magic on the game. I think... For me, anyway, with the double coming up in 32, I just can't see any other option than owning the Spurs double up with Kane and Son. Is there anybody else that you're looking at? Because, you know, Bow comes on for a six minute cameo, and I suspect that with his comments that we might see that more regularly. I just don't see him getting the minutes that you would want to own him, particularly at that price point. So is it, if you go in Spurs attack, is it that you go with the double up? Or, or do you think it's possible to go through game week 32 just with one of them? I think just one of them at the moment. Um, and it's got it's got to be Harry Kane, hasn't it? Absolute prolific striker this season. He's just amazing. When Son's in the side, I like that Kane has got that in his game where he gets for it, he holds up the play, and Son's got that pace every time. Kane just plays him straight through. Goal, as simple as that, and I think you could expect to see that again. You, you, you could go Kane or Son for the double, but I, I think... Do Spurs blank after that double, Sam? Is that Yeah, why? they do. They blank in 33 for the League Cup final. So, of course, in game week 33, and this is something that we do have to consider, of course, in the tra- chat about Spurs um, for the double in 32, is that, you know, the week after they aren't going to play at all. So if you heavily invest in Spurs, then there has to be an exit strategy at that point because you're going to have, if you get all three, you potentially have a problem for game week 33, particularly if you have some Man City players or some Fulham players or Southampton players. It's the other two sides that that blank. I think for me, um, as a Sun and Kane owner, I'm quite happy to own them both. Um, But I do fancy Spurs in that double game week set of fixtures. I think now, much like Arsenal, I guess, and and we'll talk about them later, there is nothing else after that League Cup final. If the League Cup final and then the full focus has got to be on the Premier League. And to be honest, I think Mourinho will look at that League Cup final and think, well, it's a one-off game, anything can happen. But the reality is that we have to ensure league positioning because if we don't, there's a chance that we miss out on Europe altogether next season. And that's a catastrophe in terms of bringing in new players, in terms of the financial structure of the club. Because as we've, you know, we've already talked about the pandemic, one of the things that's been massively hit is, is the club's back pockets in all of this because they just haven't had any fans in stands. They've been refunding season ticket holders. If Spurs don't make European football next season, there's a struggle with that. But there's a struggle, therefore, in attracting new players players to the club but even more importantly than that from my point of view and from the the point of view of many Spurs fans out there it's very hard to hold the key players that you have when they don't have European football so I think that that Mourinho and Spurs will have to put some priority on that league of course from game week 33 the league cup final is is the be all and end all but until that point and immediately after that the league is priority number one so I'm thinking the way I might go into game week 32 is to bring in Hugo Lloris. Because whilst I could bring in another defender, the issue that leaves me with is as a DS owner, I then have four outfield players that don't play in 33. Whereas if I bring in Lloris as my second keeper in replacement for McCarthy, who just doesn't play anymore, I can still have Martinez as my keeper for 33. And I can bench Lloris and wildcard him out after because I'm holding my wild card still but it gives me the triple up and protects the potential clean sheets that might be there because we're not seeing a lot of goals from Everton of late they've been a bit off form and the other game in the double is against Southampton who did look better in game week 30 but still have had a really rough season so that might be a way of doing it for me I still think that the Sun and Kane double up is on I look at the percentage ownership of, of both Kane and Sun individually and they're both very very highly owned but you own them together and it's like 26% ownership so in that double game week owning the two of them if they bang across those two game weeks 
then it could they could be a really nice pick. The problem is, is it's a lot of Spurs investment in a team that are so up and down right now. Yeah, I think it would be brilliant to have both. And then when when you do blank, you just rotate one to the bench so that because you're going to need them back in immediately because they're must own. So really are Son and especially Kane. So Yeah, and Sheffield United in 34. So of course, you know, you're going to want them back in after that blank game week. Absolutely, yeah. It'd be making up for it there making up for the blank quite easily I'd say well so it looks on paper but as we know this season (laughs) so many surprises that's nothing wrong with that is there no exactly let's stop talking about Spurs now because actually I can't cope I can't cope with the disaster that has been asked in the recent weeks (laughs) oh it's just so frustrating to be a Spurs owner but at least Harry Kane keeps providing me with FPL points so that definitely helped whilst we're talking about teams that blank in 33 Len let's talk about Man City so this was pet rotation at its absolute best he did what we all thought he was going to do. I mean, that's the thing about this week is that we all expected this. We all knew that these Dortmund fixtures were the be all and end all for Manchester City. Of course, they still have the League Cup final. That's been their trophy for so many years now that it's probably in the bag, even as a Spurs fan. Um, They've still got the FA Cup final, but the league is pretty much done now. Everyone else around them is dropping points. They are so comfortable at the top of the Premier League that he can afford to rest players around the Champions League fixtures. And of course, when we're talking about resting players, you know, it's not like talking about Spurs where the sub players just aren't the same quality as the ones that you're playing. You know, we're talking about being able to bring in some really decent players at Manchester City, the likes of Laporte, the likes of Foden, the likes of Aguero, um, players that are phenomenally talented. So I have... I made the decision a couple of weeks ago when Manchester City blanked in game week 29 to take out Gundogan. Um, So I'm now just left with that one Man City player in Diaz, who I do feel is probably of the defence, apart from Edison, the most unlikely to be rotated because he just, one, he just doesn't seem to need to rest. Um, And two, he's so important. He's become the kind of that really important figure in the middle of that City defence. And without him... They just don't defend quite as well. Um, they ha- they are winning in the Champions League, but they're not comfortably winning, as in that tie is not over yet. There's Dortmund is still in it, so well, you I would ex- yeah. So you would expect that actually, you know, there'll still be some rotation around game week thirty one. What did we learn in terms of game week thirty? Like uh, there was a lot of chatter in the community about players such as Mares, Foden, Aguero. Do we think that these are players that we can now invest in from an FPL point of view? Because these are normally the ones that I say, no, definitely not. If you're going Man City, go KDB, go go Diaz. But are we now saying that actually for the next couple of weeks anyway, around the rotation in the Champions League and the League Cup final, that maybe these picks are better options because they get the minutes in the Premier League? That's an interesting analogy because I think with being in so many competitions and doing so well in the Premier League, leading the way, I'm not saying they're going to take their foot off the gas, but when you've got to manage your squad, you have to manage your players. You've got to rotate when you're in all them competitions. We all know that. And I think that possibly those players, the Mareses, the Fodens, could get the start in the Premier League and then you get the likes of KDB Gundogan going into the Champions League to make sure that they progress. Maybe that favours them in the Premier League that they can take their foot off the gas that little bit because they've got such a great squad depth. They can do that, can't they? So yeah, jealous. absolutely. I know but- it's it's the thing we all as. As football fans, it's the thing we wish our, all of our teams had is this ability Absolutely. to do what Man City can do. Um, unfortunately, we just don't. No. <laughs> God, tear my hair out. I ain't got any left anyway. <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't really... I try not to heavily invest in City anymore, but KDB is the reliable 90-minute man. But points-wise... Not doing what he did last season, but I think since we've had the likes of Bruno Fernandes come into the picture and be that sort of big hitting midfielder, people start to go, well, we can look at Fernandes. We don't have to rely on KDB so much. So there's 
a bit of that going on as well, I think. Mm, uh, yeah, I mean, and I, I've got to be honest, that I think the Man City game in, in game week 30, I really expected more from Leicester in that game than we saw. I watched that game, wasn't surprised to see the team sheets come out and see a lot of rotation from, from Pep. That was fully expected. Yeah. But I thought Leicester might have a little bit more about them. And I know that Leicester are chalk and cheese when it comes to their home form and their away form this season. They are so much better away from home than they are at home. But I just thought that they would perform better than they did. Last season, we saw them absolutely drop off a cliff at the end of last season and miss out on on the Champions League spots, which was incredibly disappointing for them on the back of what was a really, really good season for Leicester overall. The fixtures look great for them still going forward. For me, I was thinking that the the Inacho dream was on. I thought, you know, yes, great. This is a really great um, in-form, cheap striker option at a time where I've mentioned already, but the Leeds fixtures look awful and do I really want Bamford? But then he goes off and he brings on Madison instead. Now, that's no surprise to anybody that Madison comes straight back into the side when fit and he gave him some minutes against Manchester City. So fully expecting Madison now to start in game week 31. But what does it mean for Ian Acho? Is it the end of that dream? Like, is is that the, the choice that um, Brendan makes? Is it that he goes, right, Ian Acho, thanks for your service. You've been brilliant. But now Madison's back, so you take your spot on the bench. Or does he leave them, all three of them, on the pitch together in the absence of Harvey Barnes? It's interesting. I think, again, it's always tactically. It depends on your opponent and how they feel they're going to control the game in the midfield, whether they can get them on the back foot and then have the luxury of doing that. But one thing Rodgers will know for sure is that Ineacho has been performing in the absence and uh, doing that has basically made Brendan think, well, I have to consider this guy more. And even then, even if he's not starting, he's pushing more to come on. Like, I can mm. rely on that guy. I can bring him on. So you definitely get more minutes, that's for sure. But starting, probably a doubt. But with the injuries there, it does leave space for the possibility And again, it goes back to just the way I play, Sam, and that is just to be a bit cautious. And I wouldn't say I could rely on picking him. Yeah, I think I tend to agree with you, to be honest now. I think Ian Acho has, he has scored off the bench a number of times in recent weeks. So I don't think it's necessarily an issue if he doesn't play the full 90. But I do think that if you're looking at the Leicester fixtures, which now look phenomenal for a couple of weeks, and I think it's about four weeks of really nice fixtures that they've got, I look at them and think, yeah, we could really invest in those Leicester players. But it's now Madison for me that I would be wanting to invest in. It just adds another midfield issue, though, because everyone that I want to invest in seems to be in the midfield right now. Um, (laughs) But I I think Madison looks like the one to come back in and, and make a really big difference to that Leicester side. Talking about midfielders. And I'm sorry to bring this up. And we won't mention the A word while we're talking about them. But Liverpool seem to be back to their best in game week 30. Then had an appalling night in the Champions League. What are your thoughts about Liverpool? Because, you know, Trent was phenomenal against Arsenal in 30. Um, and I, was, I watched that game and thought, oh, great. Like, Trent finding some form just ahead of this beautiful fixture run that Liverpool are about to go on between now and the end of the season. Looks like there's clean sheets there. Looks like there's attacking threat from him again. Brilliant. Um, Fabinho back in the midfield seemed to have made the world of difference. But then the Champions League, I sat and of course watched that again because as we all know, Lisa is a diehard Liverpool fan. So we sat and we watched the Champions League and I, I was baffled, totally, totally baffled by it because I thought, I know they're playing against Real Madrid, but it's not like they had an easy game in game week 30. They had Arsenal. So... I just looked at Trent and thought, you're getting done. Every time the ball is anywhere near you, you're you're done. And and whilst the fixtures are nice, how do we feel about this Liverpool defence? Is it a case that actually, sorry about this question, Graham, but that the Arsenal defence and the Arsenal were just so bad that it made Liverpool look really good in game week 30? Um, and actually that we saw the real Liverpool against Real Madrid. Or is it that actually Real Madrid were just so great that it's cast some doubts on Liverpool, but going back into the Premier League, things should be better. 
Um, I'm, I'm going to be very honest in my assessment here. I came out early and said this straight after the, the Arsenal-Liverpool game. Um, Klopp was over the moon. Like, he looked really happy after that to beat Arsenal. And I thought, I honestly thought, I thought, don't get ahead of yourself. Yes, you've got the win. You can be happy. That's great. But Arsenal were not there tactically. But mm. more importantly, they missed the youngsters. We missed Emil Smith-Rowe. We missed Saka. They've been great, haven't they? So great. Absolutely. On the front foot, really good, really creative. And believe it or not, a player that goes under the radar, who was hated at one point, was Granit Xhaka. He revived himself. He mm. was missing because he is the only one that works with Thomas Partey in that midfield. Danny Sabellos doesn't work next to Partey in that midfield. You mm. need to have uh, Sabellos a bit forward, more attacking, doing that side of the game. Didn't work with Partey. And also another one, even though he's got his critics, David Luiz, he's that leader in the dressing room and you do, we miss him at the back, whether it has an effect on whoever's next to him. Um, two two uh, positives on, on Liverpool is obviously Fabinho back in that midfield. Liverpool have missed Henderson and Fabinho in that, that midfield. So key to helping them hold off and, and go on the front foot again. Um, but I feel like Salah's goal in that game, I was like, well, Salah's going to score that goal, but he shouldn't have even had that chance. Gabriel should have just cleared it. It's like the ball rolled down Gabriel's body and he just just didn't kick it away. And yeah. then it went through to Salah. So there you go, mate. Have your chance. Poor goalkeeper front post straight through Leno's legs. You just don't let that happen. You cover the front post. So it was all a bit premature for me, the way that I saw Klopp and everyone getting the hype there. You did mention Trent. Um, he's always got that quality. It was a great cross for the goal. And I mm. think he'll always offer that threat. And I do believe that he should be in the England squad. Um, but yeah, I to move this game. I'm not sure if to save it for the end when we talk transfers, but I've, I've done, I've done something with Salah. So yeah, you'll hear that at the end then. Well, let's hold that for the end because I was I was about to ask you the question: Is yeah. it Salah or is it Yotta? But I'll save that question until we talk about transfers at the end, and we'll we'll talk about that because I mean I actually tend to agree with you. I think it'll be a travesty, even with the bad bad season that he's had this year, if Trent doesn't go to the Euros because I think in some ways it's actually not been his fault that he's had a bad season. The injuries that they've had at the back have meant that he has been playing with people that he's not familiar with. He's not been able to play his game in the same way that he normally would in terms of going forward because they haven't yeah. had that protection at the back. Yeah. Um, and I think Southgate should take him to the Euros. But I also think that from an FPL point of view, it could make the Euros being this summer could actually be a really positive thing for us in terms of some of these big hitters like Trent, who still have a point to prove to their international managers that they should be on the plane because Trent's now got eight games with Did you see Liverpool the celebration, and, Sam? When he, yeah, it was a wow. real point. It was a real, I'm here, don't forget that I exist point, wasn't it? Yes, um, and I can see there. I can see him using the next eight game weeks to make those points to Southgate that says, I should be on that plane, I am the best in that position. Yes. Let's come back to Liverpool later then when we talk about your transfers. Um, and let's just turn our attention to game week 31. So this week, I thought I would ask you to pick out one player from each position that you think is going to be a wise investment for game week 31. So let's start between the sticks. Which goalkeeper do you think makes the best pick for 31? I, it has to be Martinez for me. I know the fixtures are tough, but what I do love is the save point bonuses that he clocks up. And I just think he's always got his locker. He's got penalty saves his locker. And I, uh, when he left Arsenal, I was devastated. Um, I know he's on course to break Brad Friedel's 2002 Premier League record as well. He's just 30 points off of that. Um, so... He, he, he surely must know that as well. He's got to do it. Um, I think he'd be a good pick. So, yeah, Martinez in the goal. Yeah, still got four points, didn't he, in game week 30, even though he didn't keep a clean sheet. He's just one of them this Small season. Wins. Small Did wins. you sell the wrong keeper? Should you have sold Leno instead of Martinez? 
I I think what happened there was we had Leno committed already and it was a bit yeah. too tough one, isn't too hard, it? I suppose. But for me, Martinez is the better goalkeeper. Mm. Okay, let's move into the defence then. So a defender of your choice for game week 31. Um, it's got to be Creswell. I was gutted last game week. They didn't get any returns because yeah, he's normally too. quite reliable. Um, he's always on corners. You know, he can be on free kicks too. Always added bonus. And they've got Leicester and Newcastle next. And to be honest with you, West Ham flying. Look at them in the league. Everything mm. to play for. Yeah, so Creswell for me. And West Ham have had the most set pieces, most set piece goals so far this season with 16. Next closest to them is um, Everton with 12. Um, So, and Southampton who've also got 12. So I just think that, you know, with Creswell's attacking threat, even if Leicester score a goal in that game, which I think they could, there's always potential for attacking threat from Creswell. That's why I love owning him. I I love watching him as well. I think he's a really, really talented um, defender. Uh, midfielder then please who are you picking in midfield we're sticking with them bubbles we're going West Ham again <laughs> and it's it's got to be Lingardinho um, he's just Lingard pipped. yeah he's pipped Jota for me there though in, in, in as in a pick um, yeah just flying he seems a lot happier in his game he's been released hasn't he I think all that pressure at United where he wasn't playing he's just able to play at West Ham Mm. And he's doing his thing. So, yeah, Jesse Lingard. He's been phenomenal. And, and I think he's a prime example of what can happen when you've got a player that really needs to... He's got something to fight for, right? He's got England places for the Euros. But even bigger than that, he's got where he's going to be next season, where which club he's going to be playing for. I think West Ham will be absolutely insane if they let him go with the form that he's been on um, since he's joined. He just fits... He fits their style of play so well. Um, absolute flames right now with Jesse Lingard. I'm so pleased that I brought him in in game week 29. He's just so reliable at the moment. Um, okay, let's finish it off with a forward. This one will be interesting because the go-to pick will be Harry Kane. But are you trusting Harry Kane against Manchester United? I am indeed. I think <laughs> United, they, they like to concede no matter what. Luke Shaw let me down. Uh, Harry Kane's just been phenomenal. I've just managed to get him back in my team again. I had a lot of his points, but only back from game week 20 and before I owned him. And right. kept him a lot to his credit. I can't remember why I took him out. There was a logical Was it reason. the injury? It was yeah, probably his injury. Go. I wasn't sure, see, because this season's thrown up so many surprises. It was either an injury or fixture <laughs> blanking. Um, mm. So, yeah, but Harry Kane, you, you've got to. You can't You can't ignore what's there. No, and I think, you know, I, I, I did the official podcast yesterday and I was saying on that he got a brace and um, an assist in this fixture earlier on in the season, the reverse of it. He, in this fixture the last four in the Premier sorry the last three in the Premier League have seen four penalties um and of course he's on penalties so I think owning him it's logical I, I have some questions about whether you'd captain Harry Kane this week so let's move on to talk about tr- captains and transfers um what are you planning for game week 31 uh, let's stick with Harry Kane for a minute and talk about captains before we do the transfers will you captain Harry Kane against Manchester United or do you think there's a better option this week because I actually think captains is quite hard this time around agreed when I'm looking at my team it is very hard the armband is on Kane at the moment but you know what it's like it's a thinking process before we get to that deadline so on the swerve of that I've got Fernandez in midfield playing against Tottenham <laughs> so you could go that way as well it they're probably both score um, <laughs> and I can't, really, I can't give away my transfer just yet but yeah you you could you could captain Kane because even if he gets a goal that could be a goal that no one else gets mm, it's a tough one this week because I've been very loyal with my captain's armband to Kane and I look at him this week Spurs have won all five of their last home five home games in all competitions um so I don't think this is an easy tie for Manchester United to come to, but I do think Manchester United will come wanting revenge for what happened earlier on in the season. 
Um, so I find this one really difficult to call. So at the moment, I've moved the captain's armband off of him and I've put it on my newly incoming transfer player for this week, who's Diego Yotta, because I looked at him, I had Gareth Bale-shaped problem in my team and I've already said to you that my plan was to bring in Hugo Luis ahead of um, the Spurs double in 32. So looking at game week 31, I thought, well, I've watched Yotta for a couple of games. Even, even in the Champions League, I thought Yotta was by far the Liverpool's best player against Real Madrid. He looked really good again, um, was phenomenal against Arsenal when he came on. And in the previous game weeks that I've seen him since he came back from injury has looked like everything good about Liverpool. So I wanted to go to him. It made a lot of sense, therefore, for, for Bale to go for Yotta this week. And on paper, he has one of the nicest fixtures against Aston Villa. So Yotta's my captain and my transfer, I think, for this week. What? about your transfers then because this is where we're going back to Liverpool so I'm now interested to see whether you've done the same as me and brought in Yotta or whether Salah is in your team drum roll Salah is not in my team Salah mm. has left the building finally and it's the same transfer as you as in who I brought in so it's Yotta. it's his teammate I've yeah. swapped it I've taken the minus four Bamford's out the door and Kane is in so minus what I had, I couldn't go without Kane anymore. And it frustrates. It hurts, me. doesn't it, going without Kane? It just hurts it, your rank every week. It really does. I, I just had to make that move. And Jota, you know, he's going to do it more than what Salah is in that Liverpool team. It's, mm. Salah's just not the Salah he was at the moment. So Jota is he just involved in everything. And to come on as a sub and get two goals, wow. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? You know, I don't I don't think Salah's a bad FPL pick, actually, at the moment. I think he's starting to find some rhythm and some form. But it's the price difference between the two of them. The fact that Yotta is on the same form as Salah, or maybe slightly arguably better form than Salah, yeah. but he's half the price almost. And at that difference, you can have the likes of Kane and Fernandez. You can invest in Vardy for their nice run of fixtures if you want to. Madison, if you want. You can get the Liverpool defence back in if you want to do that. The budget swing is huge. And so for me, that's why rather than going bail back to Salah, which was what I did for game week 29 um, in reverse, I thought, no, actually, I'm going to go with Yotta because I feel like that additional money can be so much better deployed across the rest of my team to strengthen every area, particularly as for me, I still have my bench boost chip in play. And I want to upgrade McCarthy to Luis in a couple of weeks. Well, next week, in theory. Um it just makes it makes so much more sense, I think, Yotta. I do think that it's horrible. You're going to find this out this game week. It really is horrible having an FPL team that doesn't have Salah because you watch Liverpool literally thinking this is a nightmare. But I do think owning Yotta, because last week I went into that without either because it was the Arsenal game. And I thought, well, I don't need to take a minus four for it this week. I could leave Bale in for Newcastle and see what happens. I'll do it the week after. But actually, you know, it was awful. And watching that Liverpool game felt horrible to not have either, particularly as they were both performing. So I think going into it with Yotta now instead, I'll still think, oh, I wish I owned Salah, but it won't feel quite as bad. No, I do remember feeling exactly like that, which was, I can't remember how many weeks ago, watching Salah was horrible because he'd always be involved. But I just felt, you know, with the value, like you said, and he's either equal or better and saves the money for Kane. So, yeah, it'd be interesting. Amazing. Right, that's it for this week's Scout the Game Week. Graham, thank you so much for joining me. Um, if you don't already follow Graham, remember to head over to FPL Focus with a one on the end. It's FPL underscore Focus one. Um, give him a follow. Check him out on YouTube as well and catch his videos. I'll be back next week when I'll be joined by the boys from FPL Take the Hit. We'll be looking back on game week 31 and ahead to Spurs' double in game week 32.